I just got to say, this is going to be uh, really hard for me because uh, what God did for me, I got so much emotion, I just I start weeping and I can't stop. But with God's strength, I'm going to get through this. But uh, we kind of started out when all this happened. After I kind of got better, we're going to call this up, but God. And uh, just tonight, the song hit me so hard that God's got a plan. We didn't want it. First time we heard about this, we're going, do we really want to do this? And then we find out the day we're going to do it, and God, I mean, the devil attacked us just that day. And then we knew we had to do this, because, I mean, he's been after our health, our spiritual life, or we're at each one, it was throats, I mean, it's just, it was terrible, but, but God got us through it, and we're here, and uh, the song that just hit me so hard is... Uh, the cross of Christ is the only reason I'm here. When literally Jesus reached down, grabbed my arm, and pulled me out of the grave. I tell you that. Like I'm looking at you people today. I had to look through the shroud to see Jesus, but that's he paid the price for my, my price. And uh, I'll leave it at that, and I'm going to start. And then she's going to tell you all the details. But uh, I just want to thank the church for letting us come and share this and uh, the pastor. I put my glass on so I can see. Well, a big thing of it is the prayer that you guys, how you prayed for us. We could tangibly feel the prayers going up for us as we went through this journey. And it, it was just, it, that alone is a miracle that we got through this. But it was through everyone's prayers. God is so faithful. He loves you so much. And what he did for us, he will do for you. I mean, God's been revealing so much to me these last few weeks is uh, how much we're missing that God wants us to really grab a hold of. And we need to get out and share it. I mean, we're the only light left in this world. We got to do it because this world's going the wrong direction and we're the only light a lot of people are going to see in their life. So it's up to us. We're supposed to be the disciples, and that's what Jesus wants us to do. So I'm going to kind of start here. I mean, this all started on Monday, the day, Monday after Thanksgiving. Our family was there. We had amazing Thanksgiving. Everything went well. I felt good. I went to work, and I hauled grain back and forth, the ethanol plants. And the second load, I started dumping the grain. I got dizzy. I said, oh, this is not good, because I'm going to go home and just take a break and lay down, and I just went worse and worse. My heart was in AFib. I start dry heaving and for hours. I mean, it hurt so, I hurt so bad. And she was at work. She gets home later. And uh, I kind of remember we, we decided, she decides, you need to go to the hospital. So This she, is after he didn't tell me he was in AFib. He had just told me he had been vomiting all so, afternoon. So uh, I remember... Her driving the whole trip to Fort Dodge, I remember, said, I can't even get out of the car. Go get a wheelchair. She rolls me in. I remember we talked to one of the nurses, and uh, they say, uh, are your patients critical? And the, the guy said, no. Boom, they roll me right in the ER, right in the back room, and uh, that's pretty much all I remember. So I'm going to let her take over for a while. <laughs> well, 
we get into, it's kind of a triage room, and we get in there, and they put the monitors on to check his vitals and everything, and the first thing I saw was on the monitor, his heart rate was at 255 beats a minute, which is extremely high. The nurse then saw it, went down with her stethoscope, went to listen, and I'm watching the monitor go to 268 beats a minute. And immediately she runs out of the room, and we're just sitting here looking at each other. You know, I'm watching the monitor. I can see what's going on. And uh, another nurse comes in, and all of a sudden he goes, i got to throw up. He just, the, the vomiting, the dry heaves, I've never seen anyone. I swear it's like he was vomiting from his toes, and I don't mean to be so picturesque, but it, it was bad. And so they said, yep. They moved him on back, and the room was immediately filled with people working on him. And I had to go move the car. I came back in, and it took him about an hour, and his heart rate had gotten down. Melanie, Steve, and our son Kyle showed up, and, you know, Jim's sitting up laughing, telling jokes. You know, we're having a good old time, and, and I'm going, okay. This ain't so bad. We've been through this about 17 years ago. He went to AFib, and he spent a couple days in the hospital. They gave him some pills, and we went home. So when everyone left, we went to the emergency room, and I didn't think any, you know, I really didn't think it was that serious because he'd been there before that one time. And, but it was different because when I got in there, his oxygen level was down, so they went from a nasal oxygen mask to a full mask and then they end up going to a BPAP which is where it's suction and it's for, really forcing air down him and he was sweating so bad we couldn't keep leads on him he was vomiting they were giving him meds to stop the vomiting we just couldn't get things to settle down to get him in control and so right in front of my eyes his body was shutting down and the nurse they came and drew some more blood. They needed a urine sample. He couldn't go. His kidneys had already shut down. So, we, we, you know, it just was not getting better. He was, his breathing was worse. You know, most of you, if you go to a doctor's appointment, they'll put the thing on the finger and you're, you know, in your upper 90s, you're good. Well, he, he was in the 80s, and we couldn't get the oxygen up. So by then it was morning, and he had verbally told me, I don't want to be intubated. I don't want them putting that down my throat. And I'm going, oh, great. You know, you're not getting better, and they think you need to do it. So I texted Melanie and Kyle. They were coming, and I said, uh, hurry and get here. we got to make a decision. They're going, what? Dad's, you know, he was laughing. You know, what's going on? And they get there, and then I get the beaten of, why did you call us when all this was going on? Well, I, someone had to sleep. But it just turned, and it just went, he just dropped, kept dropping. His health, he was in four-organ failure. The cardiologist came in and did an ultra, or echocardiogram in front of me. He pointed on the screen, and he said, see how this is, part of his heart's not working, this isn't working. See how this little is working, but this side's not working, and all I heard was nothing was working. His heart wasn't working, his lungs weren't working, his kidneys weren't working. I didn't know about the liver quite yet. But So the cardiologist goes, I want to put a balloon pump in him, which will help his heartbeat. I agreed to it, but he said, I'd really like to do an angioplasty is where they go in and check your veins for blockage and stuff. And I said, 
if he is stable or whatever, do it. I want to know if a blockage or something is doing this to him. And so we're all up there, it, you know, waiting. He went through the procedure. Doctor comes out and goes, he's as clean as a whistle. And we're all cheering. He, go, he stands up, puts his arms up, and goes, no, stop. You don't understand. This is far more serious than you realize. We can't treat him here. The, his only hope is to make the life flight trip from Fort Dodge to Des Moines, which is a 22-minute flight, and get hooked on an ECMO machine. And do I have your permission? And yes, we gave him permission. So things started going in the works and everything, and so they changed his IV lines because it didn't work with Des Moines and the helicopter and all this. But anyway, on the way out to the helicopter, he heard one of his nurses say, this is all I remember. The nurse said, uh, he will not make Des Moines. That's all I remember. I don't remember the flight. I don't remember anything. I just remember saying, he will not make Des Moines. And that's it. I don't remember getting there. I don't remember anything about it. That's, I remember his words exactly. So. so anyway, Kyle says he'll take me. So we fly to Des Moines. He takes a 22-minute air trip. And we got there in about an hour. And I think it was an hour and a half. At least an hour and a half. And Kyle, I didn't, I said, do you drive? I'm not, I don't want to know how fast you're going. Just get me there. So when we got there, they're going, okay, go to the ER and ask for your husband. So we go to the ER. Uh-oh. We don't have him here. Are you sure he came? Um, okay. One nurse going off shift made a call. Jim went from the helicopter to the cath lab. But what we have found out is Jim was never to make that trip to Des Moines. He was never to make the trip from the helicopter to the cath lab. Not and, survive it. Anyway. And not survive it. He was to have died. He was in that bad of shape. They put him in there. They put him to ECMO where they put a half-inch plex pipe up his left groin, put in the machine, put it in his jugular, they found a hole in his heart that they patched, and they had him hooked up to every life support thing there was. He wasn't to live through that. He communicated by nodding, and that, because he was intubated, couldn't talk. But he could still communicate with the doctors. So right there, we're looking at miracle number one, he made it to Des Moines. Number two, he made it to the cath lab. Miracle number three is he made it through all the procedures. So we get there. They tell us we can go see him in the cath lab. But they say, don't look at the floor. Don't tell anyone not to look at the floor because guess what we all did? We looked at the floor. But anyway, we saw him mainly. He was alive. He looked good. But we didn't realize how serious this was. He had eight cardiologists on his case. He had four pulmonary doctors. He had a kidney doctor, a liver doctor. He had so many doctors, we didn't know how many to count. But he was not to live. He was not to live. So the next morning, we go to see him, and they're saying, well, his heart's not liking the impella pump they had to put in. They took out the balloon pump and put in an impella pump to help his heart move the blood, and, uh, but we think his heart's strong enough, 
We may pull it. If we think that his heart's strong enough, we're going to pull that impala pump out of his heart and see how his heart does. They did it. His heart remained beating normal and, and great. But it just kept going. They took the ECMO out. He, got, he seemed to be getting better day by day by day. We would see little miracles, little miracles. And we rejoiced at every one of those miracles. There wasn't one thing that we didn't rejoice because it was like, look it, there's something else coming out. There's something else coming out. There's something else coming out. You know, we couldn't praise God enough. We, yeah, he was still sick, but we took and praised God for every little thing he did for us. Come Sunday night, well, Friday night, he had a bad episode. His blood pressure went sky high. His heart rate went wacky. His oxygen level went way in the low 80s. And Melanie works at our church at home, and they, all our pastors and that were there, and we surrounded the bed and prayed. And with no intervention, he did everything. Blood pressure went down, heart rate remained stable, and his oxygen came up. I mean, we, we just saw these little miracles after miracles after miracles. And it got to the point that Saturday was a hairy day, but Sunday night, I know for a fact, was one of the times he saw Jesus. Because another episode happened. And this time his blood pressure went to 35. His oxygen was in the 70s. It wasn't looking good at all. But God. But God came in and brought him back. They tried so much they couldn't figure out what to do. They had no idea what was going on with this man. Why is he doing this? Why is his body doing this? And we kept praying and asking for prayer, for wisdom for the doctor, godly wisdom. Well, that night, after Jim came back, the pulmonary doctor goes, I don't like how he's breathing yet. He goes, it's like he's trying to breathe out when the ventilator is breathing in. He goes, can we paralyze him so he'll remain stable? So the machine will do the work, and he'll breathe, but he's not going to fight having that tube down his throat. So I agreed. And during the night, they decided, we've got to figure out what's going on. So they did from head to toe, a CAT scan to see if they could see anything. And that Monday morning, when we were waiting for the doctors and that to come in, a tall doctor named Dr. Franco walks in. He's an endocrinologist doctor. He goes, they did a CAT scan on your husband last night, and I think I know why, he is, why his body's doing this. But it's very serious. And we have to prepare his body for the surgery. And so he goes, I have to do some tests. Well, he's in a four-organ shutdown. Liver, kidneys, heart was working better. Lungs were really mushy yet. But they needed some urine to send off with some blood to get the right nuclear medicine for him to go through a test to make sure to make sure it was what, it, what they thought it was. 
He hadn't produced urine, but all of a sudden he had just enough come out of the catheter for the test. So we battled this about every day. One day he would have a good day, it seemed like, and then he would have another episode of this. So, you know, you're on pins and needles all the time. You're, you're just, you're a yo-yo. But God was there. Your prayers were there because we could not, the kids and I could not have done it without prayer because I could tangibly feel as I would walk from the waiting room to his room, back and forth, waiting for him, you know, and being with him. But God, it was like God carried me, like the footprints, the palm of the footprints. But anyway, that next Thursday they did the test and the nurse went down with them and when they brought him back, she goes, he glowed like a light bulb. I don't think we have to repeat it. Normally they have to do it twice, but it showed. Jim had a mask called the pheochromocytoma. And so when they told me this, and I said, I won't even know how to know this word, and they go, trust me, you'll know how to say it, and I can be proud and say I can spell it without looking, too. But it came positive. Now it is time to prepare his body to go through this surgery. His vitals have to remain stable. Certain medicines would flare this mass, which sets on your adrenal gland, which is above your kidneys. So if you get angry, you know, if you do a lot of running, it's your adrenaline. Well, this has been working on him for so long. His sweat stunk so bad I had to put special stuff in the washer to get the smell out of his clothes because he sweated so differently. It changed. And I can go back two years on that. He can now go back to when he's about 17 that he would feel a little flutter in his heart, but we didn't know what it was. He was complaining before, God, I'm so tired. I shouldn't be this tired. And I'm going, well, you're 62 years old. You don't need to work from 5 to 9 every day. You're not 21 anymore. But this mass, they said, made his heart be as if he was a marathon runner that ran seven marathons a month. His heart was healthy. He just, this mass was sending the adrenaline so bad. And so a lot of the doctors in the hospital didn't like our Dr. Franco. We, we, we loved the man. God, God gave us something with this man because it, it was truly God. And because he, he would say, nope, you can't give him that. Nope, you can't do that. I don't want that. And they didn't like being told that they couldn't have the care of him that they wanted. He had to prepare Jim's body, especially for this surgery. It was so risky because if it wasn't prepared right, then during surgery he probably would have an episode and not come through it. So we had to wait. Now, one thing about it was we had to find a beta blocker that was made back in the 1940s. It was common as aspirin, cheap as aspirin. But this medicine, he needed six pills, two a day, for the last three days before surgery. And it was so expensive and so rare 
he goes, I, we just got to find it. It was 10 miles away in Ankeny in a Hy-Vee grocery store pharmacy. That's God. That's God. I mean, there is so much through all this. I mean, we've got stacks of paper here that, you know, when this happened, that happened. But another thing I had to make a decision was is you can only be intubated in this hospital for 14 days. And Jim admit that deadline. And they said, Do you, we, we need to put a trach in. He can't breathe without something. I said, I don't care. Go ahead, do it. I, you know. And the nurses were shaking their head. Nope, don't do it. And I'm going, why? What? I mean, it, it was just like, and I asked, I said, well, if that was your husband, would you put a trach in? No. And I'm going, well, I'm going to. I had a peace beyond, I can explain. I cannot explain. During his episodes, we had the K-Love radio station on. And it'd be fun, not, it's not funny, but it was God, but God. His heart wasn't working right. Danny Gorky's song, Tell Your Heart to Beat Again, would come on just at the right time. Certain songs would come in, you know, breathe in me, breath of life. You know, breath of, breathe in me, breath of God. Just as he was not breathing. His lungs were so full of pneumonia, they would take a tube in, go down, and suck the pneumonia out of his lungs. And as fast as they were sucking it out, it was coming back in. We had an infectious disease person on our team, and she worked so hard to find the right medicine to get rid of that pneumonia. And she did. But it was by the grace of God. Because she had tried, they had tried everything. They had tried everything. So here it is. Saturday, the 16th, surgery was Monday the 18th of December. Jim's been having episodes all along, and Saturday morning, the surgeon's team came in, checked him out, shook their heads at me and said, he's too sick, there's no way we'll do surgery, he's too sick. And so I, I go, okay, I mean, God, is this you? Is this you? Is you? Is this you saying he's not ready for surgery? If that's you, Lord, fine, we'll take it. You know, I'm not putting my husband in a place of being, you know, going to die because I want the surgery. I want you to be involved in this. Well, that day also he had a nurse that didn't work with him well. When you're on oxygen, you have a certain peep, which is pressure that goes in, pushes your oxygen in. And she wouldn't move it. He was at 100% oxygenated and 15 peeps, which is pretty high. And the goal was to have him at 55% oxygen at 10 peeps. And she wouldn't turn it down. And I was getting so mad. I would throw, she'd come in and put an IV thing up or something or change the continuous dialysis he was on. And, and I, gee, look at, he's at 99%. Do you think we could turn it down or, you know? I was getting mad. She wasn't doing nothing. So that night, the night nurse came in, and I asked him, I said, Justin, can you work with Jim's oxygen? 
I said, he's been this high all day. They haven't done nothing. He says, no problem. So Jim was doing pretty good. And that Sunday morning, I walked in. And the first thing I saw was 55% oxygen, 10 peeps. God did it again. But God. He was so full of fluid to help put pressure so when they took the mass out, his vitals and that wouldn't crash. He weighed almost 300 pounds going into surgery that morning. But Sunday night, Melanie, I called her because she was at home at, or Sunday, and I said, bring communion. So Laura was here for the Christmas concert, and uh, so she missed it, but the rest of us, we had a family time of communion. We went in his room. We all laid hands on him. We prayed. We gave him to God. And the next morning, Dr. Franco came in. He said, if I don't take this out today, he will die. So Jim went into surgery with pneumonia. But he came out so much better than when he went in. It, the surgeon came out and he goes, it's a, it's a classic textbook surgery. We know they had to go in once. They thought they'd have to bronch him where they suction out. All they had to do was adjust his trach. Everything did what it was supposed to do. And by Wednesday, he was awake. He knew us. They had told us before that you may not, he may not have his mind. He's been so low on the oxygen, we cannot even tell you he'll wake up with any mind. He may be a vegetable. We don't know where his mental state will be because he had been so long with so little oxygen. But Wednesday, but Wednesday, December 20th, he woke up and he knew us. I walked in. He goes into AFib. Laura walks in. And he smiles. That wasn't funny at the time. The nurse thought it was. Yes, she did. But God did it. One, the one night, he had a bad night. And it was that Sunday night that it got so bad. Our oldest son, Kyle, was in the room. And they brought the dialysis lady in to try and see if, by giving him dialysis, if that would help. And it didn't work. He couldn't handle the dialysis. And Kyle was having a tough time, but her name is Annie. And she told Kyle not to give up. And she went and showed him a wall that's in Mercy Hospital that is only named Miracle Wall. And you're only a miracle on there if you're a true miracle in their eyes. I made the wall. Put your mic. <laughs> yeah, my son was sitting there all night with me, and he thought I was totally unconscious, which you according were... to the mentally I was. But he promised a lot of things, and then he comes in the next day and said, well, when are we going fishing? He said, you heard that? I said, yes, I did. He said, I'm going to be taking a lot of time off this summer. I said, yes, you are. He made a lot of promises. So, uh 
when you go visit people in the hospital, just be careful what you say, because they hear a lot more than you believe, or that you think they hear. <laughs> believe me, uh, I'm leaving proof of that. So, uh, I mean, God has given me so much these last two weeks to share, and uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. It's just, uh, we're missing it so bad, what God wants in our lives, and we need to wake up. I mean, we're in the end times, and we all know that, and it's getting serious. This world and this country is in trouble if we don't be the light, like I said before, and do something. And we got to do it. So nobody else is going to do it in our place because that's what Jesus called us to be his disciples. So I think the time is here and the time is now. So uh, I'll let her share a little more. Well, that's on the 29th of December. Jim got moved out of ICU up to seventh floor. So we had excellent, wonderful care in ICU. Yeah, I was there 32 days in ICU. So. And we got to be very close to a lot of the nurses. But we go up to seventh floor. The care is not there. They're not setting them up. They're not doing anything they did in intensive care. And I got very upset. But God took care of it. He got us through it. I mean, the coolest thing was we got down on each other, or not down on it, we just got down on the situation. He couldn't eat, nothing tasted good. He had, the trach was pulled, you know, he was only there a few days when they pulled the trach. I mean, it was just miraculous. He shouldn't have been there. His lungs were so full of pneumonia, but God took care of it. Yeah, one of the things I really remember is uh, it's like the second day after I had woken up, one of the doctors walks in, and I was kind of sitting up in a hospital bed where it leans, it leans your head. And I said, hi, doc, how you doing? And he just about fainted. He said, he's sitting up, he can talk. He just, he couldn't believe it. And he said, uh, you're the Lazarus man. I said, yes, I am. I said, God is good. That's and he just, he was a believer, you could tell just by the look on his face, he said, yes, I agree. I mean, you're definitely a miracle. So, but uh, he was named the Christmas miracle in the ICU in Des Moines. And nurses wanted to work with him because of what had happened. Here's a man that wasn't, you know, basically was dying in front of me all night, wasn't to make Des Moines, wasn't to make the cath lab, wasn't to make, you know, it out of the cath lab wasn't to live through surgery through any of things you know shouldn't have made it through surgery because who what doctor in their right mind takes a person with pneumonia as bad as his was into surgery but god had a plan but god had a plan we grew so much i mean I, to feel his tangible presence just there with you every time and you know laura made a comment last night you know that I was so strong, and when I would break down, then someone would, she would take over, someone would take over and start praying, and our family became closer, and to us, that's all that mattered, but God gets the glory. It was God. I mean, there's so many scriptures I have here of what God did, you know, Call to me in Jeremiah 33.3. 3. Call to me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. We called to him. 
We didn't know what he had planned. I mean, after surgery, we were in ICU nine days. He's, he couldn't stand. I he, couldn't even set up. He couldn't set <clears throat> up. So he got to go to rehab for two weeks. And it was like, holy cow, the first day he learned to slide from the bed to the wheelchair, and he no longer needed a bedpan. Now that's praise God. That's a miracle, believe me. <laughs> but in one day, in two weeks, he was well enough to go home. Two weeks of rehab, he was well enough to go home. And we called to him, and he showed us great and mighty things that we did not know. The thing that bothered me most when I woke up is, uh, I mean, fear kind of overtook me. Because when you wake up and your mind comes back, and I could, basically I could not move. I mean, I could move my hands, and I could move my feet. I couldn't sit up, I couldn't roll over, I couldn't eat, I couldn't lift my arms. I mean, I had zero muscle, so it's uh, pretty scary, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but God had a plan, he, uh, and that's all I could do. I said, God, you've got to get me out of this, because I, I don't know what to do. I said, help me. And I just kept calling out, and he, uh, <laughs> he came in, and he did the job. There's no doubt in my mind. So, you know, and in Mark 10, 27, it says, But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Amen. Those doctors admit they didn't do this. Yeah. He they did not make him well. They did not. It was God. It was God. And that was all we had to hope. We, we didn't know these doctors. We didn't know that, oh, so-and-so had him and he did real good. No. Our only hope was in Jesus Christ. There was nothing else. There was nothing else. We had no one else to lean on, no one else to stand with. But every day when we did our updates, we said, please pray for. And you prayer warriors prayed for that. And we saw miracles. His whole goal was to walk out of the hospital. Yeah, I was confessing right when I woke up. said, I'm not going to leave this hospital with any lines in my body. Because, I mean, at one time I had eight IV bags going in me. So you can imagine just so many machines around me and stuff. And... The nurses, one, one of our visits back, they said, uh, we had every life support on you that we had. We had no more than anything else we could do. And so you can just imagine the, the, the machines that were, I mean, you couldn't know how to get to my bed. There's so many uh, machines and IVs are there, and uh, it's just another miracle. There's, uh, there's so many miracles that happened, that's the only reason I'm here. You know, so. And this one scripture I guess when I read it, it really sh shows that we need to share our story is in Mark 5:19. However, Jesus did not per permit him, and this is the crazy guy that was possessed with demons, that Jesus cast the demons into the pigs. But he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. And how he has had compassion on you. So you friends were sharing what Jesus, what he did, taking those stripes on his backs. Dying on the cross for us. And God being so faithful. 
so faithful. Your prayers meant so much to us. We can't, can't describe it. And my biggest blessing that I got out of this is uh, my wife. <laughs> Definitely, she was there with me in the hospital for 62 days. She never went home. My family was uh, just an amazing support team. My friends. <sighs> I'm, a, I'm at a loss for words. It's just uh, God is so great. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. That's, that's all I got to say, I guess. So, uh, when Jim was dismissed, they, the doctors told us that this, he was dis, er, discharged on January 27th, that uh, it would probably be the end of summer before he could go back to work. He went back to work May 14th. That's God. That's his resurrection power that lives in us because of who we have as our Savior. I can tell you the truth. Jesus is real. That's all I know. You know, it's just, uh, it's so humbling to have Jesus actually, it felt to me like he actually grabbed my hand and lifted me out of the grave. That's what I saw when I saw the shroud in front of me. It's overwhelming. I I can't explain it. I mean, there's so many songs I start weeping and I start weeping and I can't stop. And it's just, uh, <laughs> it's God. He's there and he's just holding my hand and he's, he's there with his arms open waiting for anybody that has any issue in your life. I don't care what it is. He's there and he's waiting for you. So we need to go to run to him and he's got the answer. But everybody lets their, this world get in the way or our head get in the way. Our biggest enemy is ourselves. You know, we just need to trust God and Run towards him. Now, Laura created a little video thing that'll close our story out. Thank you, guys. I was blind, now I'm seeing in color. I was dead, now I'm living forever. I had failed, but you were my redeemer. I've been blessed beyond all measure. I was lost, now I'm found by the Father. I've been changed from a ruin to treasure. I've been given a hope and a future.
Time. Oh. 